I want you to open your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 5. During the past Sundays, we've been on a journey. The journey continues. We are to the time now that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has passed. In our story, the ascension has taken place. The Holy Spirit has been left here to deal with issues like we're dealing with in our time. And the church is formed. And as the church is formed, uh, things begin to happen. We see the numbers beginning to grow. We see the 11 apostles becoming 120, then 3,000, and then 5,000 men. And we begin to see the church beginning to permeate their world. And they're bringing something to their world that their world, some, if not all, have never heard any of it, but when they hear it, most of it, they don't like. Because people left to themselves find it very easy to go their way. And since original sin in the garden, we are born in sin, and it's easy to sin. And it seems as though that is the most enjoyable thing. It is the, the decision of the majority to just live openly in sin and to defy God. And when the message comes from a loving God who promises not to withhold any good thing from anybody, and Satan has began to sow his seeds of discord, uh, confusion is the result. And today we're picking up the story. You remember the apostles had gone to jail, they were being threatened, they were told that what they were bringing that was good news, which is what the gospel, the word gospel means, wouldn't be tolerated. That it was going to be the way of those in authority. And so the time came, and this is a tough time then, it's a tough time now. It was a tough time all the way back in the Old Testament when Job and Joshua and these other guys I've told you about had to draw a line in the sand and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We made our decision. We wish we could live through a generation where we didn't have to make one, just kind of float along, do good and escape the consequences that a lot of people don't escape and, and everything's going to go okay. So we pick up our story today in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. I want you to look at that with me, if you will. <clears throat> then Peter and the other apostles answered, and they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew, and you hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Spirit, whom God hath given to them that obey him. And when they heard, they were cut to the heart and they took counsel to slay them. Now understand, these are big leaders. 
They're political and religious, sort of mixed together. And so they get to the place of making their decision. And uh, it says in verse 33, they were cut to the heart. And they took counsel to wipe them out, to slay them. Now look at verse 34. Then stood there up one in the council of Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, a lawyer. He had a reputation among all the people. He was loved. He was respected. And he commanded, the Scripture says, to put the apostles forth a little space. He said, back off. Then he said unto them, you men of Israel, talking to the political leaders, take heed to yourself what you intend to do as touching these men. Before these days arose up, thought it's boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who was slain and all of the others. As many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. He's telling about this story. One man, several supporters made a decision. He talks how God dealt with it. Verse 37, after this man rose up, Judas of Galilee, in the days of taxing, and drew away much people after him, he also perished, and all, even as obeyed him, were dispersed. And I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it'll come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it lest happily you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beat them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. But then they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Wow. What a story. Would not bend, they would not bow, and they would not burn. You know, when you fear God, you don't need to fear anything else. When you fear God, you know he has always kept his promise. When you fear God and you seek his ways, you know he will show you his way. And he will walk with you through whatever his commandments might be to you. But one of the undeniable characteristics of the first church was that they were willing to take up the cross and follow Jesus no matter what it cost. It wasn't until somebody made them mad at the church. It wasn't until something trivial happened with some other member of the group that they decided that they would just do whatever. They stayed the course. And when the threats came, they did not cow down, nor did they rage war. 
They just let go and let God. You see, the difference between people that say they're Christians and people that are not Christians is a new birth. A new birth, being born again, means that your old life is dead and now you've got a new life. This new life has totally different characteristics from the old life. And it is the new birth that makes a Christian. It is not joining a church and being baptized that makes a Christian. It's being born again. And the evidence of that new birth is that Jesus lives in you and you find yourself shocking yourself when you love people unconditionally like Jesus did. said, man, if you'd have said that a few years ago, I'd have just hit you right in the mouth. <laughs> but what a wonderful change in my heart was wrought since Jesus came in. Amen. You see, the early church knew something. If you don't get anything else today, please take this home with you. They were confident that God was alive, the Holy Spirit was present, and that he was going to lead them and he would never forsake them as long as they followed him. But if they took matters into their own hand and a lot of, of us macho men, we're going to take it over, man, you know, we're going to you know, bring it on, let's go, let's get on it, set the ring out and let's get with it. No, that's not the answer. Humble yourself and pray and seek God's face and turn from that way of thinking. Then God will come and he will do in the situation we're dealing with now what he's doing in the situation that was dealt with last week. That's the way God works. You say, well, I just can't agree with that. You don't have to agree with it. That's the way God works. God's ways are higher than our ways. We're not supposed to understand them. We're supposed to obey them. And the scriptures are everywhere. Listen to Matthew 10, 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. This is Jesus talking. He who finds his life is going to lose it, and he, he who loses it for my sake is going to find it. I like that. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor, your labor in the Lord, that is, is never in vain. Look at 2 Timothy 4, 7. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. In Acts 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak the words of God. They began to share the word of God. They began to proclaim, thus saith the Lord and that they could turn in no other direction. You don't run. Neither do you stand there and look bored. But you turn around and you say, Lord, what would you have me to do? What are you going to do about this situation? Well, I don't know, but I'm so mad, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can I tell you what to do? Pray. Seek God's face. Do what God wants you to do. We all have impact on this, every single one of us. But the first thing to do, listen to me, America. We preach this all the time. We teach this all the time. This is a time for families to get their act together. This is a time for men to be men and women to be women, fathers to be fathers, mothers to be mothers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, great-great-grandfathers. Stand up and let their family know that they are special. 
And they're not only protected by the family, but they're protected by the perfect father in heaven. Much of the problem that we're facing is a result of folks that say, I'm a Christian and show no evidence of it to the skeptic looker. None. Lord, what would you have our church to do? Uh-uh. Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what do you want my wife to do? No. Lord, what would you have me to do? Well, Acts 9, 6 says, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? See, even Peter, he never could get it. He really could. He was a stubborn fisherman, you know. I think in fishing talk, he'd say, it's time to change baits. It's time to fish differently. If you're not catching them, either go somewhere else and fish or use some other thing to catch them with. Well, what are we going to use? If I be lifted up, I'll draw men to me. Not draw us together. We don't need to get together. We need to get to him. That's what we need to do. John 21, 21, Peter seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, what is this man going to do? You remember that that I gave you a few weeks ago? Ask Peter, Lord, what are you going to do about him? How about him? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know what, what the Lord said to him? I covered this a few weeks ago. He said, Peter, what, are you, what business is it of yours? Why don't Peter, you run Peter's life and I'll run John's life, okay? Now, now bug off, buddy. You know, I mean, he was just real frat in his face. You know, that's, that's the way he had to talk to Peter. You know, it's really a shame when people are so caught up and won't do what everybody else does. I don't know about you, but maybe uh, if we go out to eat together, uh, don't ask me what I'm going to order. If that in any way affects what you're going to order, don't ask me. What are you sitting out menu? Well, what are you going to order? Well, what are you going to order? What, what difference does it make? <laughs> I wish somebody would help me know, why do you ask that question? Well, I just don't do anything unless somebody else is doing it, so if you're going to get it, I'm going to get it, you know? Fooey. You know, when are you going fishing? What difference does it make when I'm going fishing? When are you going to go fishing? My going fishing ain't going to help you one bit. I'm not going to give you my fish because I don't keep them. Okay? So don't ask me when I'm going. That's not the question. Well, what are you watching? What does it make when I'm watching? See what I'm saying? We're just caught up like that. Now, what are you going to do? 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 As for me and my house, Josh said, we're going to serve the Lord. Salvation is a new birth. It's a new life. We look to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, what would you have me to do? God, I can't do everything. I can't do this. I can't do, I can't do this. I'm too old to do this. I'm too young to do this. I'm too poor to do that. Lord, what would you have me to do? Speak, and he will. You know, when you make a decision like becoming a Christian, you know you need to count the cost. You really do. You know, when you sign a note, you better be prepared to pay it. When you have a child, you ought to be prepared to race it. Whenever you join the armed forces, you better be prepared to fight. Whenever you take a job, you better be prepared to work. And whenever you become a Christian, you better be willing to take, take up your cross, lay down your life, take up your cross, and follow him. Count the cost. Count the cost. There is a cost, but it's worth every bit. It's worth every bit. No one ever gave up anything to follow Jesus. He says and, uh, that no one, I believe it's in Mark chapter 10, has left houses and lands for my sake and the gospel's sake that I'll not reward to them a hundredfold in this life as well as in the life to come. 
you'll never outgive God with your life. And when you read the book of Acts, the word fear, F-E-A-R, began to pop up. You'll see it over and over again in Acts 5:11. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Acts 2:43, and fear came upon every soul. Acts 10:2, a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house. Acts 13:16, then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you that fear God, listen to me as he spoke to them. Here's what the Scripture says. We're to honor God and fear no man. We're to honor God and fear nothing else. The wise Solomon said it this way in the book of Proverbs, first chapter, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instructions. Proverbs 9, 10, he says it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know what? In all, and I've been in many conversations in the last few days, as every one of you have, it always comes up, what are you going to do? What's the church going to do? With? You know what? I'm going to follow the Lord. Well, now, what are you going to do about marrying? Hey, you know, somebody says, well, I can marry anybody I want to. So can I. Amen. I'm a preacher, okay? Right. And the answer will be no if it doesn't meet the biblical qualifications. I don't have any choice. I don't have any choice. If I spend the rest of my life, I don't have any choice. And no, the same thing will happen in these buildings. This church has made that decision. Our church is committed to the Word of God. This is our Constitution, bylaws, or whatever else you want to call it. It's God's Word. We have no choice. We are bought with a price. We're not our own. We don't have temporary citizenship. They can throw you out of America, but they can't throw you out of the kingdom of God. Praise God. We're eternally children of God. But when the church was born, conflicts began to arise. People began to bail out. But you know what? Go and read it when you get home. They kept bringing their lost friends to the church. And guess what happened to their lost friends? They started getting saved. And they started going back. And they started changing their life, thinking they thinking, because they got into the Scripture. And the church stayed focused on what it is here for, not to just comfort the saints, not to try to keep them to agree on most of the stuff, but to do as Jesus did, to seek and to save those which were lost. Praise God. Their attention got off of a staggering organization and got on a living, resurrected Lord, knowing that the people needed God in their life. They needed to let him be real to them. And may God help us get our attention off of attending church and focus on being the church. And when that happens good things are going to take place. Again, last week, I am still, I can get emotional about it when I'm private, in a private place. Those precious people have impacted my life and reminded me of what a Christian really is in one of the most dramatic ways I've ever seen. 
and, it's, and it won't leave me. That's what we're to be, a carnal, pagan world needs the gospel. They have enough bad news. If you've seen the news this morning in a distant land where all those young people were set on fire at a, co a concert, 530-some out of them were burned. And it was just, they were there to have fun. They were acting silly and throwing stuff on each other, and all of a sudden it, it was a flammable stuff. And at the time they were laughing at each other and how crazy they looked. They went up in flames. We're in a terrible situation of time if you didn't have God. But God is alive, and he still has good news for a watching world. Well, in Acts 5, it says they laid their hands on the apostles. They put them in prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all of the words of this life. Wow. They got out of jail to go preach the good news. You ever hear those words? Don't preach to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can tell. Mm -hmm. Those of you that don't, didn't hear what I just said, did anybody ever, you ever hear anybody say, Don't preach to me? Answer is yes. Yes. What do they talk about? Don't preach to me. Don't tell me no good news. Don't tell me any good news. I'm here that good news. Don't. If you were parked on a train track and a train was coming, and uh, for some reason you just went to sleep while you were parked there, and somebody came and started shouting in your window, Get off the track, get off the track. The train is coming. Don't preach to me. <laughs> don't, don't tell me that stuff. How would you like to be in your home tonight and your house be on fire and about to explode and somebody knocks on your door and you go to the door, what are you doing waking me up at this time of night? Well, your house is on fire. Don't preach to me. Don't tell me my, don't tell me that there's a rattlesnake between my legs. I got time to fool any rattlesnake. Don't tell me that. It's okay, folks, to get excited when you've got salvation for people that are perishing. It's okay to get excited when you've got good news. We won. We won. You're healed. You're healed. And when you say you're forgiven, you're forgiven. It'll never be remembered no more. This is a brand new life for you. Wow. What excitement can be caused. And in Acts 5, 42, it says they ceased not to preach Jesus Christ. Acts 8, 4, therefore they were scattered abroad. They went everywhere preaching the word. Chapter 8, verse 35, then Philip preached unto him Jesus and then in the 40th verse, Philip preached in all of the cities in the 10th chapter, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of all. These people got excited about the Lord. Did you know what you sang a while ago? This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. That's your story. Everybody's got a story, right? Everybody. And quite frankly, you don't want to write a book of all of it, do you? You'd rather leave out a few chapters, a few words, a few scenes or whatever, you bet. But isn't it good when you're covered by the blood, you can say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. That's my story. That's my message. 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But folks, don't you ever, ever, ever let the devil get you to where you hate sinners. You hate the sin. You love the sinner. You want the sinner saved. You want the sinner forgiven like you. You want the sinner to have another chapter in the book and the other destroyed and remembered no more. That's called salvation. In the 17th chapter of Acts, verse 18, it was real simple what his outline was. He, tre- he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. He preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Well, that Gamaliel fellow, don't you wish you had more friends like him? They were able to bring in a time like this and say, before you get too shook up and before you do anything drastic, just remember this, that it's not, if it's of God, you don't want to go against God because you're not going to win. I've read the book. I know how it ends. And if you'll read the book, you'll know how it ends. We win. The king is coming. He's going to do away with all denominations and all political parties and all races and all financial barriers and all educational barriers and on and on and on. And we're going to be a family bought with the blood of Jesus. We win. And forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, we will be with the Lord. God made it clear, very clear in the 19th chapter of Matthew as to what it is to have a... Well, let me just read it to you. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined into his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So then they're no longer two, but they're one flesh. Therefore, what God joins together, let no man put asunder. We have a sacred thing under attack, but we've got an awesome God that holds the world in his hand. Let God do what God's going to do. Let's us do what we want to do, what we need to do, what we ought to do. Let us look carefully as to how the situation in Charleston, the thing that is happening every day on the news, where do we fit in? God is always, always, always reminding us no one changes my laws. No one changes my ways. No one will ever defeat me. It is finished. The victory is won. Jesus is Lord. But church, it's time for the bride of Christ to be the bride of Christ. And to come along by his side with a passion of a wife, with a passion of a union, and have a lot of time to, Lord, speak here before I talk here. And may what comes in here come out there. And, Lord, use me. Our love, I mean, our duty is to love and to obey God. We're to love men and obey God. We're to love our children and obey God. We're to love each other, but we're to obey God. And all of it fits together, beautifully fits together in the Scripture. And Mark 13, 31 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, 
but my word shall not pass away. Sin has separated us from God. We need to come home. I gave you one scripture and I'm through. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 59, 1 through 3, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongue has, has muttered perversity. Your tongue has murder, has muttered perversity. You have left me. Nation, you've left me. You have gone your own way. That is your choice. But God stands in our place if we're his kids. I'm going to let God handle it, but I will stand firm. I believe our church will stand firm on this book and leave the results to God. And he will not allow anything to happen, nor will he cause anything to happen that's not for our good and his glory if we'll just keep on keeping on. I challenge you to do it.